Welcome to the Bad Boss Brief, a strategic guide on how to not be an asshole at work. We'll tell you about bad bosses, how they can be handled, how to tell if you happen to be one. An executive and an executive coach, both artists working in advertising and marketing for more than two decades, are here to advise you on the ins and outs of office environments. The Bad Boss Brief is your ultimate guide to navigating any employment landscape. Here are your hosts, Eugene S. Robinson and Stephanie Payrollo. Welcome to the Bad Boss Brief. I am Stephanie Payrollo. And I am Eugene S. Robinson. I'm glad you could join us today. Today is episode 16, and we're calling it Bring Your Authentic Self to Work Show. <laughs> I love that. Okay. As in, can you, should you, do you want to? What do you uh, think? I think it's, look, there's a guy who I know, who, his lifelong dream was to join the military. So he goes, it's a, he's a Stanford, Stanford guy. He goes to the Navy and they say, okay, honesty testing. Have you taken drugs? Yes. What drugs? What drugs are you asking about? Have you taken marijuana? Yes. LSD? Yes. Cocaine? Yes. Heroin? They say, you know what? <laughs> you can't join the Navy. So then he goes to the, the Marines and he, does, he goes through this with all the armed forces and they all do the same thing. And I said, hey, his name was Myron. Myron, at a certain point, did you figure out that it wasn't honesty testing, but just intelligence testing? Bring your authentic selves to work. Yeah, but <laughs> we don't want your authentic selves to be something we don't like. So, you know, this, this, is a, you, you, this is a minefield, the authentic self thing. So be careful. I think so, too. And I mean, I think it's a challenge for both leaders and for employees. Right? Employees. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I feel like for the leaders, it you it's one of those things like, of course we are. Of course, right. we want people to be authentic. And I think we should be clear about our terms. Right. So I absolutely believe that someone should be able to authentically express, say, their their sexual preference. Right. If If right. we're talking about a weekend event, I don't want to have to carefully manage how I use pronouns with my spouse if it's a same-sex spouse, right? There should be no point in that. I think also you should be able to talk about, um, you know, being pregnant or recovering from a heart attack or having, you know, genuine physical challenges that need some accommodation. I think everybody agrees on that. I think the idea is what what does authenticity mean and to whom? Because one of the challenges that I see, and, you know, I'm I'm an executive coach, I hear about this all the time, is, you know, should there be guardrails around authenticity, right? So one of the examples that I thought of when I was prepping for this show is absolutely a woman who is, or a person who is pregnant should Mm -hmm. be able to talk about, you know, any kind of physical limitation that they have. Right. Right. And and I think everybody is going to accept that. But I was Mm. in an agency once a few years ago before the pandemic. And I'm not kidding. The conversation, it was a couple of women and I, I was Mm. waiting to get in and do an executive coaching session with the boss. We're talking about something called free bleeding. Yes. I had no idea what it was. I had Mm. to go and Google it. But the mm-hmm. idea is that there are there are people who prefer to menstruate without using traditional menstrual products. Right. They free bleed. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, but but what happens if you're at work? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like like is is that okay at work? Right. What if what if that's something that someone on your team believes is an authentic expression of who they are? 
Mm -hmm. And that it's a whatever symbol of the patriarchy that we suppress this natural bodily function. Right. What do you do then? Well, you know, I, I might authentically have diarrhea. It doesn't mean my coworkers want to experience that with me. So, you know, um, yeah, I, 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 I think the, the, the baseline along all which all work discussions have to um have to be made largely is kind of what does it have to do with work, right? Um, I mean, if you can do your job and and uh, uh, free bleed and your free bleeding doesn't impinge on anybody else's enjoyment of their job, I think you should be fine, right? I mean, presumably you're wearing pants, <laughs> right? So then the issue is just visual and then that's not, whose business? Not my business, wear red pants. I, I don't know what to tell you, you know? Well, but at the same time, I think, I think bosses have a, a legitimate right to, like if everybody in the workplace is, because so, there's been this, you, I'm sure you've read, there's been a whole steady stream delivered to us by the Daily, the Sun, the New York Post, of course, Murdoch publications, where there's always, I'm too sexy for my work narrative, which also necessitates in a photograph of some woman who has been advised, you know, muscled into or fired for being too sexy at work. Um, and it's just an excuse, a, you know, a, a, a magazine excuse to show pictures of a sexy woman. But these are real people who have gotten really fired. So, you know, we're deciding all the time about what per personal parameters make it so that you are not distracting from work or detracting from work and which ones aren't, you know, you have a cold, people don't like that you go to work, but people understand it, you know, you're bleeding all over the place at work. They might be kind of cranky about that. Or if you're wearing a halter top and a G string and you don't work in, in, in at Hooters, people might have a reasonable expectation. Could you put on a shirt? Um, but you know, is this old ways or new ways? I like the hurly burly. I, I really enjoy people trying to figure this out. So, well, and I guess, you know, it's interesting because I hadn't even thought about the way people express themselves through their clothing. Right. right. So there was a time where, and this was, you know, a number of years ago where I was in management at a small mm. creative agency, you know, and creative mm. agency is pretty much you wear whatever. Right. Yeah. And right. an intern mm. came in dressed, um, what, what my grandmother would have called scantily. Mm -hmm. And she was, it was warm. She was wearing a completely transparent shirt, mm -hmm. uh, no undergarments, mm -hmm. and it was very distracting. And she mm -hmm. was going to be in a meeting with clients. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I suggested to her that mm -hmm. she return to her apartment and change into something that was more professional and return. Mm -hmm. I wonder now if I would do that, right? Because, mm -hmm. because what I was operating from was my worldview which is, mm -hmm. can we please not overtly sexualize women in the workplace? Mm -hmm. This was an intern, so presumably was in a place of asking for and wanting explicitly or yes. implicitly more guidance. I was mm -hmm. a woman in leadership. I thought correctly, and it also was a very, very conservative client. Yeah. And my thought was that this conservative client would come into the this environment and be distracted by yep. this woman's attire. Yep. I don't know though, because then you extend it to like, what if a, what if a guy shows up in a dress? I wouldn't send a guy in a dress home. Right? Uh, I, it depends what kind of dress it was. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If it's a, if it's a mini skirt and the guy has no underwear on, I think you have a reasonable expectation to say, nobody wants to see your penis today. Please. <laughs> yeah, or as, a, or as somebody once said to me, 
Most of us like to know a man a bit before we see his penis. <laughs> we can talk about the circumstance later. <laughs> what that happened, but yeah. Yeah. yeah so, uh, <clears throat> uh, and I think I think the challenge though is it's easy to get caught up in these extreme examples, right? Which most people are not going to come across. What I find is the challenge is that. If you are centering or prioritizing people showing up authentically to work, you are centering and prioritizing something that is subjective. And what I've seen happen and what is of concern to me is that centering in individual employees or or leaders, happiness or emotional satisfaction or comfort can be really dangerous. And let me let me give you an example, right? We've talked a lot about DEI and how DEI efforts are changing or effective or not effective. But one of the chief complaints, whether it's DeSantis in Florida or you know whoever is writing about the efficacy of DEI projects is that understanding white privilege makes white people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That has been the reason for mm-hmm. attacking or dismantling or kind of neutering yep. DEI initiatives is it makes white people right. uncomfortable. Right. I don't think that centering white people's comfort mm-hmm. is a priority in the workplace. Right. Okay. I, I, guess I, it, I, guess, yeah. I guess it is if they're the boss. Well, right? but I don't I, think it's a, I, I don't say think we it should, should do be. that, but yeah, no, it, no, it should not be at all. But I understand if I'm the boss, I understand you doing that, but I don't like it. But I think the idea is, and what I've seen, and I actually wrote my my Substack last week was about this: this idea of what do you do if a, someone that works for you or mm-hmm. with you is distressed? Mm-hmm. And I think the challenge is if you look at every distress flag as a problem that you have to solve. If if you're a leader that has that sort of fixer mentality, mm-hmm. then you you're going to get in trouble because mm-hmm. you don't have anything selective. You don't, ha- you don't have any criteria against which to measure that. So what I suggest, what I suggest to clients is be clear about how you navigate, right? So what is the North star? And that usually has to do with either some value or some um, goal that you have in terms of a business, right? So mm-hmm. if we're talking about a creative agency and mm-hmm. what they want to do is the best possible creative work so that they can succeed as a business, Mm-hmm. then that should be a criteria, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if we're using the example of DEI, if some white creative director is complaining because it makes him uncomfortable to have to you know, participate in DEI training, is his discomfort going to make it so that he can't do creative work? No, right. actually, I would argue that kind of chaos and being unsettled and being exposed to different viewpoints can actually improve creative product. So in that right. case, we could we could ignore it. And I, I think that if you're going to pay attention to the happiness of employees, then you need to be able to make sure that you have something against which to measure that. What do you think? Yep. I think 100 percent. And in the actual fact, it reminds me of, of course, the line pushers that I or have been at every job that I've been at who haven't been me. You know, from the guy who I talked about a couple of shows ago <clears throat> who had the swastika tattoo on his forehead. Um, and, you know, of course, made it through the interview process and got the job while whilst wearing a hat, but then decided at a certain point he didn't want to wear the hat, too. There was a guy at Apple, and I remember watching over over the time period, like maybe, say, from February to June, first I'd see the guy, <clears throat> I'd see him walking along, um, yeah, no, no shoes. Well, he's an engineer. Maybe he just came from his office going to the cafeteria. I'd be sitting there eating. So that dude has no shoes. And... It gets hot. As a month's change, it gets to be hot. And then the guy's got 
shorts on and and, and, and no shoes. Yeah, you know, summertime, shorts. And then one day I see the guy walking across from his office to the cafeteria. No shirt, no shoes. <laughs> and the shorts are now like those dolphin shorts. Now, look, I feel bad about this because if he had been a handsome man, I probably would have gone, oh, that guy's got a nice body. And I'd gone back to work or eating what I was doing. But this guy did it. <laughs> He's like the guy that even if you were at the beach and saw him, you'd be kind of like, hey, bro, put on a shirt. And eventually they got him. They talked to him and pulled him aside and said, this is not your home. I don't know what they said. I imagine it was something along the lines of this is not your home. At bare minimum, could you put on flip flops and a T-shirt? Uh, and, you know, again, the punk rock guy in me, I have like, is that? He wasn't hurting anybody. He was just not nice to look at. If he had been nice to look at, would it have made a difference? Was it affecting his job? Was it affecting my enjoyment of my day? Not really. It was just a taste thing. But they got him. So interesting line, beyond which I didn't see any other any other people go. Um, but, you know, that was in the days of Silicon Valley deciding to get redefining what business casual was. And that was kind of an interesting time period because when I started in the Valley, it was suits and ties. <laughs> and I, well, because I was in the defense industry, so right. but especially there, right? So, well, there definitely is a generational divide. I mean, one of the yeah. things that I hear from friends who are our age and, and um, even younger is that there is a there is a generational divide, that there's a group mm-hmm. of people who, who are used to talking about themselves. You know, maybe they grew up sharing on oh. social media, their understanding of what is private and not appropriate for work and what is public and appropriate for work is very different than say yours and mine. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the challenges is that I've seen, I've got a a friend, one friend in particular, who's in a circumstance where the, the culture feels that vulnerability and Mm -hmm. open expression of emotion Mm -hmm. is what is best for the culture. Mm -hmm. And that someone who is not, open about every single thing that they feel or talking a lot about emotions or uh, performing vulnerability is looked at as maybe not a culture fit, which is, of course, always Mm -hmm. dangerous. And what I think is interesting is that there are, you know, in those circumstances, I always would remind people that some of us grew up in environments where it was not safe to be vulnerable in any way. Like, you know, as you talked about in the beginning, authenticity was not rewarded. It was punished, you know, and in some cases that's, you know, I mean, I had, you know, I went through so much sexism as I was coming up that, you know, a workplace where no one was grabbing my breast was a plus for me. But in no way did I, I mean, I remember I used to hide the fact that I was a mom because I had kids pretty young and I was a single parent and I knew correctly that it would count against me. So I wouldn't say I need to go and take my kid to the orthodontist. I'd yeah. be like, I've got a doctor's appointment. I'll be back in an hour. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. the, one of the things that's frustrating to me is that, you know, some of these younger managers who have this idea of like, we should all be open and, and we should all be vulnerable and, and, and create a psychological safety circle of trust are not acknowledging that a lot of people come from an environment or a part of a group where that's yep. just not safe. Yep. <laughs> like now in America. <laughs> Sorry. It's, you know, and I mean, I've heard this from both sides of the aisle. 
that, you know, uh, I know people who have gotten jobs at Google coming from companies that have a much lower profile who went back, who have, you know, their political proclivities, create a situation where they thought, you know what I need to do? I need to go back and flush all the crazy crap I put up on my Facebook thing about COVID and about, you know, Democratic presidents stealing elections. And I was like, well, good. You should have pulled it down anyway. But, you know, to... They just didn't want to create any waves. So I got, I got you. Um, they didn't feel especially put upon. It, it was filed under what you got to do to keep your job. But it's interesting. But something that, with the, back to the sexiness discussion in clothing, it, it, do you think if you are a male manager and you have a female employee that comes to the office, like the woman that you were talking about, do you think it would be okay for him to talk to her about it? Or should he then deputize uh, 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 either a dotted line or a high-ranking uh, female executive, presuming there's one at the company, to talk to her? You know, I honestly don't know the answer to that because I don't know that I would say that to this woman now. Mm-hmm. I feel like my understanding has evolved because there is yeah. that there is that sense of, on the one hand, there mm-hmm. is, I hope we have evolved as a culture to say that a woman asks for sexual assault by dressing in what someone deems to be a provocative man. We all know that that's that's bullshit and reject it. Hopefully, most of us reject it out of hand. On the other hand, I do think that it is dangerous for women to, um, it's dangerous for women to be too sexual in work because the reality is we live in a society where they are either going, where they they may put themselves at risk of being sexually harassed or they may be, um, you know, not taken as seriously, but is it the woman's responsibility to fix that? Yeah. At one point, uh, a a editor was trying to get me to change something in a book he wanted to publish. And I was digging in or infusing and he gave me a call, uh, come to God call kind of conversation. He said, Eugene is called getting your book published. And I was like, I am not making the change. And he goes, okay. And that book didn't get published by him. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe you just got to let people do what they're going to do. And uh, and if things don't work out for them professionally, then it's an I told you so moment. I don't know. Yeah, because I do think, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I feel like people should be able to dress as they want to. And if it's not mm-hmm. a safety issue, I mean, obviously, you know, if you have to have safety attire, you want to wear the safety attire. I'm not yeah, talking right. about that. I'm talking about like in an office environment. Um, and people should be, as long as it's not a safety thing, they should be able to wear what they want to wear because I just don't, I mean, I just don't see the difference between saying to a woman, you shouldn't dress provocatively, how that's any different than saying to a man, it's going to be distracting if you show up in a dress. Yeah. Right. Distracting to a woman, is that his problem? Okay. Here you go. There's a, there, uh, there's a band whose name I won't say on the show. And uh, Seth Putnam, people, if they're interested, was a band leader. And he created a T-shirt for this band that had the band name emblazoned both under and over a three-leaf clover. In each of the clovers, he had the number six. And in the center of the shirt was a swastika. Um, And the name of the band itself was offensive enough so that it would get your attention. And I would frequently stumble into arenas where they'd be off, off uh, off uh, off campus events, and I would wear something. I'm just not even thinking, you know. Just put on. There's a band called Blast, and the t- and it's got you know 
a fully clothed, but clearly kind of demonic woman on it. And my boss at the time comes and say, no, that's not quite a family t-shirt. And I go, well, I'm not, I don't have a family. What are, you, what are you asking me? Would you want me to turn inside out? I'd be shirtless the rest of the day. And he was talking about, you know, their kid. There was nothing scant, scant, but I mean, if somebody now, authentic selves, is saying, on any Tuesday in this month, I might wake up and put on this shirt, and it just happens to be a Tuesday I'm coming to work, what's it to you? I, I think the boss might have grounds to say, go home with your 666 swastika shirt and change it. Um, I mean, but maybe that's me being old school. Well, and and I do think that that, again, comes to the question of like the reason that you would not want to do that is that you could offend right. someone, right? right? But again, isn't that then centering right. emotionalism in a way? I mean, what if nobody is offended? Right? Right. What if somebody <laughs> is offended? What what if I were to wear during an election a shirt or a pin or a hat that supported one candidate and someone else didn't like that candidate? We've seen These are conversations that, that people are, are really having, you right. know, because stuff you put on your desk or you wear. And I mean, I, you know, I'm blessed. We're West Coast here. I mean, you, but at the same time, there's still, I mean, you know, before Gavin McGinnis from Vice lost his mind, one of his early, earlier pieces was, I'm going to put on this MAGA hat and walk around and just see what happens. And he filmed himself walking around and, uh, you know, I mean, he owned the business, so it wasn't in the workplace, but he was walking through the streets. It's interesting, the manipulation of symbols and people's reaction to them. I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that probably the business that does best is the business that focuses on business, right. you know? So you can have these discussions all you want. I'll be running down there with the ball. So, okay. Right. And so I think, you know, in in terms of trying to give advice, which we try to do on this show, if you're a leader, I think look carefully at how much you center anyone's distress, including your own. I think that it is okay to say to employees, you get to have the full range of your emotions, but your feeling doesn't necessarily create an emergency for me. Right. right. Like I can validate your feelings without having a knee jerk reaction that I have to make it all better. Right. And and to really look at, first of all, you know, are you the kind of person that rushes to fix everything? Mm-hmm. Are you the kind of person that runs away from conflict or are you sort of neutral? Get mm-hmm. curious about is this impacting your ability to do your job? Right. Yeah. And and be clear about how much you want to center people's emotions, people's happiness. And then right. what is the yardstick you're going to use, right? Mm -hmm. What is it that you're going to, is it going to be, people could be offended, a reasonable person could be offended. Is it going to be, this is something that impacts our ability to do work that damages morale? Because what you don't want to do is is be in a situation where someone who is a bad actor can hold somebody, can hold a group hostage, right? right? You don't want to be in a situation where someone is clearly not doing their job. They are not working it's yeah. bringing the entire team's production down. Everybody's pissed about it. You don't want to go to that person and put them on a performance review and have right. them say, I feel offended. Yeah. It hurts my feelings that you expect me to do my job. <laughs> right. And, and so you have to, you have to balance that, you know? And right. then again, I think it's, it's a question of pick your battles. If you're a leader, how much do you want to argue? If you're right. an employee, you know, I, I don't know. It's so hard for me to give advice that feels broad because I came up in an era where it was 
like I was just in such a different place than I think a lot of people are today. I was just trying not to be sexually assaulted when I went to work. So well, I, also, I think, I think to you, your position is probably not dissimilar to my position. I think most jobs I've had, I've been trying, I've been super conscious of like trying to get through the job without getting fired, <laughs> without giving them a reason to fire you. Because my perception is, of course, they're looking for reasons to fire me. Right. right. Uh, right. I mean, people, people have, have told me, uh, like when I was at Ziff Davis, that largely they were hiring me because they had to. <laughs> right. Right. You know? right. So if, if that's if you're going on a date with somebody and they say, you know, I'm only going on this date with you because I have to, you should expect that this is probably going to be a short term relationship. So, right. oh, uh, anyway. Yeah. And then I think also if you are a person who doesn't have to be guarded in any way in the way that mm-hmm. you're talking about and the way that I'm talking about for different reasons, then, you know, count your lucky stars and right. recognize that not everybody has have the has had the privilege of right. having it be safe enough for them to show up and be their authentic self at work. Right, right. Or they're, or they're incredibly dull. And I do have a fire me. And this one is amusing to me. And I'll get out. And, and he, he's made a lot of appearances on this. Uh, but it, 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 it is purposeful here in this instance in a lot of different ways because I'm looking at it and I'm looking behind the curtain of it. And this is uh, Continuing Adventures of Zuck. And... and he lives not two miles from here. Yeah, and, and if you spend any time in Palo Alto and want to know where he lives, you know where he lives because suddenly you're on a street where you go, hey, what happened to the houses that were here? Because he bought up houses around him, tore them out, and more importantly, there's 24-hour security. So there's some guy sitting in an air-conditioned van. You go, oh, workman. And then you're sitting there a bit. I'm looking, I go, Wait a minute. He's not he's not getting out. He's not working on anything. He's looking. Oh, it's dude's house. So what he does is, uh, apropos of his recent obsession, puts in an octagon. You know, the, the, a fight ring. Oh, in right. His, in, in his backyard. And his wife, Chan Zuckerberg, uh, uh, tweets him uh, or uh, uh, responds in text and says, you know, I've been working hard to get the grass to grow there. We... we so, but now this is this is a couple of things are happening here. The general public doesn't have access to his text or his tweets or his emails, right? To his wife, which means he released it. So, if he's re- if he the CEO and the seventh richest man in the world is releasing this, I have to ask why. <laughs> you know, wait, wait. So let me understand. So his what got out in the press was right. his wife's tweet about right. the fact that her husband's ruining the lawn. With yes. his octagon. But with his octagon. Okay. Right. So, I mean, I didn't hack his phone. Nobody hacked her phone. So they have released this to the public. That's how we know about it. So <laughs> I, I I am confused about what why he would do this and what he's trying to say. It's like, and also as as a married man, I am <laughs> how did you pull that off? Like, are you sitting inside at breakfast? And a truck pulls up and your wife doesn't say to you, who are those guys? <laughs> I mean, or do you, it has planning. You planned the whole thing and usually they couldn't think to tell. I mean, I, I think it, it's, it's, a, it's a flag that says I am a bad boss <laughs> because the wife is not happy. The community is kind of making fun of him. And then the guys who are peeking behind the curtain are like, 
Why would you release this? And what do you hope to keep Key Bono? Who benefits from this being released? You know, and of course you find out that that uh, you know, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of characters here. That Bain Capital is also in charge of the the, the layoffs. And I, I I can't even get. I don't want to sound crazy, but that's <laughs> my narrow version of 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 fire me. It's like you know, the, the, the message that you're sending out doesn't make me feel comfortable. I don't so. know. Is that even true? Do we even? I mean, I just I would imagine you are married to him. You have other things to do than complain about the grass. Um, uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that she's got the Chan Zuckerberg Institute. What do they do outside of trying to buy up properties in East Palo Alto as as a nonprofit? But just I, yeah. I, I yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't. I mean, at some point, there's been a whole bunch of stories in the news about, you know, our other friend, Elon Musk, aside from his very ill-advised rebrand of, of his company. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. you know, yes. also talking about, like, how much satellite real estate he has and some of the mm-hmm. implications of that. But it's interesting mm-hmm. because, you know, at what point do we just get tired of it? Like, yeah. you know, like, I'm just, I'm really getting to the point of, like, well, and, you know, Jeff Bezos, I mean, I he, as a Seattle guy, like these people are so rich and so completely unchecked in their ambitions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That I, I feel like the story isn't whether or not Zuckerberg's wife is upset that his uh, interests are ruining her lawn. What about mm-hmm. the fact that these men's interests are ruining our global yeah. economy yeah. are ruining our planet are yeah. you know yeah. i mean these things yeah. are so significant that if yeah. that is actually there and he actually released it does he not recognize the you know like th- that is a small example of what is writ large possibly jeopardizing yeah. our ability to live on this planet listen you know something i find i find interesting they did a study and they talked about contact points connected to air travel uh, Department of Transit, some study. They said the average person, were I to fly to Seattle now or you to California, you would probably, on an average, have 720 touch points. Somebody you talked to at the curb, somebody you talked to at the terminal, the standing on line, TSA agents. By the time you get to your destination, 720 times you have had to deal with somebody who's not you. Private airfare, they have found out you have 20. 20. <laughs> That means like the person who is touching your bag. No, no, that's one over there. And then the person who would you like some champagne on the plane? Yes. And 20 by the time you get to your destination and they're talking about how great it is, which I agree. I would love it. I would love if I could fly and only have 20 interactions on my way to my final destination. But I'm sitting in coach and I can't do that. So to me, these are all sign points for like, I'm out of it. Guess what? I'm out of it. I'm out of it. Well, and I'm those not, 20 people, I'm out of it, you know. And those 20 people who you do interact with work for you. Yeah, you're right. Right. right? And right. but I do think that I do think that's an interesting point because it brings up the idea of like what does it do for your perception to yes. not have to interact with any human who is not employed by you or related to you. Precisely. Yes. Yeah. So that's so, so that's what I think about fire me. It's like I think at a certain point it makes you it's impossible for you to be a good boss. You say what you want about Steve Jobs. I could go to the Fountain Grill a lot of Fridays and he'd be sitting there at the center table, you know? I mean, uh so with all yeah. the things. All right, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for joining us. Send us your questions, suggestions, ideas for shows, WTF at badbossbrief.com. 
See you later. Thanks. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Bad Boss Brief with your hosts, Eugene S. Robinson and Stephanie Payrollo. You can check out more of their work by visiting consigliera.substack.com for Stephanie and Eugene S. Robinson.substack.com for Eugene. You can also find Eugene at Mr. Sleep 3, that's the number 3, on Instagram. Send us your questions or comments to WTF at badbossbrief.com and be sure to join us right here on your favorite podcast platform for more insights every other week until next time don't be an asshole at work we